country of Papua New Guinea, specifically among a people group called the Malayali. For the last 10 years, um, we picked up uh, our lives in uh, California, specifically Bakersfield, sold everything that we had, went to training, after training, left to Papua New Guinea, learned the first language and culture, Melanesian talk pigeon. And then from there, after learning that language, we went interior. We had GPS uh, coordinates of different people groups that had been mapped out through the mountain ranges and swamps of Papua New Guinea. We didn't know their names. We didn't know uh, really where they were other than these GPS locations. And so what happened was we landed in a nearby airstrip and we just went to that first GPS location. And coincidentally, it was the Malayali people. And we have been among the Malayali people for the last, man, eight years. Um, and it has been absolutely incredible. Something that, man, I never even dreamed that I would get to be a part of. That the Lord would even privilege my family to do something um, to that extent. And so, uh, just in a really quick nutshell, and then we'll watch just a small little video to kind of recap. We moved in. We learned their language, which is a language that has never been spoken outside of their context. We created a literacy program for them to read and write for the first time in their language. It's an oral language, never been spoken outside of their tribal context. And then we began to do translation for the sake of being able to share with them chronologically from Genesis to Revelation, the one big story in God's great book. This uh, First video is just kind of a recap of what that looked like, just to give you guys um, a visual of what uh, I'm talking about. So if we can roll that first video, that would be great.
Oh, there's no need to clap. We haven't even gotten to the best part, you guys. Um, yeah, so th that should give you a context. Like, it's literally in the middle of the jungle. Like, they are so incredibly deep in the jungles of Papua New Guinea, located on this mountain range that we are a helicopter location only. We can only access the Malayali people if we hike uh, 24 hours to them from a nearby airstrip or we helicopter in. So we chose to, <laughs> yeah, helicopter in. Um, Man, I can't tell you, when we, when we first landed, it was the very first time that we heard their language. We hadn't heard their language. Like, there's no Rosetta Stone for their language. There's no way to even prepare yourself to even understand what they're thinking in regards to their culture, because we had never met them. In fact, you know how grave the situation is, or, or dire for the Malayali people previously before us? Nobody even knew that they existed. Isn't that crazy? Like, they didn't even have a name that nobody knew. They just had GPS locations on a piece of paper, waiting for missionaries to come and tell them the truth about who God is. When we arrived and were able to just scratch the surface on, like, how do we even communicate with these people? Like, we, like we're giving goods, and, and we just said, we're here for four things. And in our broken national pigeon language, that they really don't understand because their language is a part of their heart. They don't know any language outside of them. They don't know anything existed outside of them. We were the first white people that they had ever seen. They have, they have no clue. We said, we're here to learn your language and your culture. We want to create a literacy program for you guys to be able to read and write in your language so that we can translate this one important book, God's book, and give you his talk. And the fourth thing is we'll sit down and we'll explain that book to you. And men, they were pumped. Not because they understood our words, but they were pumped because they knew something was coming. And as we began to learn their language, right, uh, we would walk outside. The very first day we began to learn language, we'd walk outside. And we'd say, what the heck is going on? So we would just start writing things down. And sounds turned into words, and those words turned into sentences, and those sentences turned into paragraphs, which ultimately turned into stories, which accumulated into our fluency in the language. So when we'd walk outside, we'd say, hey, Nguepe ne, ne yao. Oh, an you miu. Oh, an tomla ne kukwe mo wo. And so it became this like, men were actually doing what we said we were gonna do. We're not only just learning their language, but at the point where we actually knew their language to fluency, we began to create a literacy program so that they could read and write in their language for the very first time. Not so they can just read and write, but they could not only hear the word of God preach, but they could see the very words of God on pages and read it for themselves. And I remember, uh, it was early on, my best friend, he had helped kind of teach me language, and we'd go out to his garden all the time. I mean, he was my best friend. And we're getting ready to come back to the States. We had some medical issues. We're taking a medical furlough. And I remember the helicopter is on the chopper pad. Um, the engine is, is going to start going in a second. All the bags are packed. We're ready to go. 
And we're in my office, and my best friend is sitting there, and he says, David, will you just tell me the message that you've come to bring? And I said, man, I'm, I'm so sorry, I can't. Like, we're, we're not at the point in language where we can do that. Like, you guys don't even have a word for love. Like, they didn't even have a word for forgiveness. It's not even, it's not even that they didn't have a word. They don't even have a concept of what love and forgiveness is. So I told him, man, we're not there yet to explain the story. You're just going to have to wait. And he says, well, David, you're leaving. What if you don't come back? How will I hear the story? And I said, man, don't worry. I'll come back. Like, don't worry. And he said, David, what if you leave and I die? How will I hear the story? And I cried with him. And I said, man, I'm so sorry. You're just going to have to wait. There's so many reasons why we were having them wait. But we weren't there in the language to explain the goodness and the graciousness of Jesus Christ yet. Coming back, we did the literacy program. People graduated out of the literacy program. They're revving, ready to read and write. And they knew We've came, they, we came to learn their language, create a literacy program, translate God's word so that we could teach it to you for the very first time. They knew once literacy was completed, man, they're going to start translating the word of God. And my best friend, the one who had been waiting, is walking with me in creating the storyline of lessons. We had 53 lessons that we would teach the Malayali people. Essentially, that's like 53 lessons from Genesis to Revelation that we had translated into their language so that we could teach them this story. And I remember him just hearing the story, and we finally get to, uh, we're going to use the story of Lazarus, and Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, right? And I look at him, and I'm like, man, what excites you most about the story? And he says, David, it's not that Jesus called somebody out from the grave. Like, I understand that. It's that somebody would have the confidence, the audacity to say, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And then fast forward a little bit more. We're in Luke chapter 24. This is the lesson that we're going to be teaching them about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the ladies are at the tomb. The tomb is opened. The angels are there. And they're saying, why are you looking among the dead, for someone who is alive, for Jesus Christ has risen. And my friend slaps the desk, whistles, that's their exclamation mark. Slaps the desk and whistles, and he says, you're right. You're right. Because previously he said he is the resurrection and the life. So why? Why would he still be dead? No, he defeated death. And I said, you're absolutely right. And the closer we got to finishing that story, that storyline of 53 lessons, the closer we got to presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. You guys, this last season, after years of work, understanding their culture, learning their language, creating a literacy program for them to read and write so that they could see the Bible and read it for themselves, we were able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them for the very first time. Time. And this video is a small glimpse into those three months of teaching the Malayali people. If you could run video two.
Man, praise the Lord. We now have brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. We were given the absolute privilege, um, along with our uh, partnerships that we had in the States, the absolute privilege of not only putting Malayali on the map, but being able to go in, learn their language, and share the gospel with them for the very first time. And it's not the end. The whole scheme, the whole methodology is that we would see a mature church uh, be established, elders and deacons in a Bible translated into their heart language. And so this, this task has at least 12 to 15 more years. But we're so incredibly grateful that the Lord changed our direction. You guys, that one truth, the one truth that dramatically changed my life, that it wasn't about me. That was the one truth that dramatically changed my life. The story of God is not about me. So many times we have this yearbook mentality where, have you ever grabbed a yearbook and looked for a picture that wasn't your own? No, the first thing we do when we grab a yearbook is we look for our picture. We make the book about us. Man, so many times, so many times we take this one story from cover to cover and we make it about us. Can anybody, can anybody finish this verse for me? I'm not going to give you the reference because you'll cheat. Can anybody finish this verse? Be still and... Can anybody finish it? Go for it. Can anybody finish it? The verse is Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You know, so, so many times we understand the truth of Scripture, but we may miss the verse entirely. And if we miss the verse, and if we miss enough of them, then we miss the story. And if we miss the story, you guys, we may make it about us because we don't actually know what the story's about. God has a heart for the nations. God has one mission, and that mission is to make himself known where he currently is not. That's his mission. That's what he's doing. That's what he's been doing from the very beginning since the Tower of Babel, making himself known among the nations where he currently isn't. That's, that's his mission. But so many times, man, I remember sitting right there, right there. And that summer camp, it wasn't after the session. Somehow I found myself alone in, in my own lodge. I was on my bed. No one was there. And for the first time, it had felt like a thousand seeds had blossomed in my life. Probably the prayers of so many individuals, especially my parents. And I finally saw if Jesus really is who he says he is, then my life should look very different. And from that point on, I was like, man, I just want to know God's word. I want to love God's word and I want to share it. Which ultimately I was like, man, that's what I want to do. I want to be a pastor. I want to go off and get my theology degree from California Baptist University. I want to go off to Kentucky and get my master's degree and then maybe get my PhD and then come back to California and plant a church. That's what I wanted to do. And then finally, in college, one guy named Brian Zuniga was the first person to poke that bubble. And he said, David, do you really think that's what God wants you to do? 
And for the first time, I started to reevaluate. As Brian continued to say, man, there's thousands of people groups that not just haven't heard the gospel, but they will never hear the gospel unless someone goes to them, learns their language for the first time, and in, the, in their history, for the very first time, shares the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Now, this is my story, and so my wife and I, we're looking at this and we're thinking, there's, no, there's nothing else we could do at that moment. We were so gripped with the fact that there are people groups that will never hear the gospel unless someone goes and shares the good news of Jesus Christ with them for the very first time. But I did not want to be a missionary. Because I had paved my road. I had set out on the journey that I thought was the best thing to do. But I had missed the verse. And I missed so many of them that I missed the story. And because I missed the story, I treated this like a yearbook and I was only looking for my picture. But what the Lord wanted me to see was, no, 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 David, you're a part of my story. And my story is that all the nations will hear my name and worship me. Jesus even said in Matthew chapter 28, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them everything I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This is God's heartbeat. And he gives us the very end of what that mission looks like. At the very end in Revelation 7, 9, he says... After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white, with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever and ever. That is the end of God's mission. The aftermath is worship. The aftermath is incredible joy. So much joy that every tribe, nation, tongue, people will surround the throne of God one day and worship him. That is not just the mission of God, but that's the one story of God's book. From cover to cover. It's his mission. It's his story. Are there people groups still left today that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? Yeah. There are thousands of people groups that have little to almost no access to hearing the message of Jesus Christ. There are places that are so incredibly overpopulated with lacking of believers in that massive populace that those people, I mean, it will be almost impossible for them to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. But make no mistake, there is an even dire issue at hand. There are a couple thousand people groups that will never hear the gospel of Jesus Christ that have zero access, they have zero resources because the church is not among them and they are not among them because they have a completely different language. And some of those people groups 
we don't even know exist. It is going to take individuals from a young age to understand that this mission, the mission of God is ours to partake in. That he has called his church, us, to go and make his name known where it isn't. If there are thousands of people groups that have never heard the gospel, the ones who have received the gospel and enjoy its benefits ought to be the first ones to go and tell those who haven't heard. If the king of the universe has told us to go in Matthew 28, but we don't want to, what does that say about us? Ultimately, if you're saying, no, I don't want to, that's the same position that I was in. I was treating this like a yearbook, trying to find my picture. But God says, no, 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 this is my story, and I'm allowing you to be a part of it. His story isn't about you, it's about him. The fact that he has saved you and has transformed you is not so that we can enjoy the benefits of salvation for ourselves, but he has saved us and transformed us for the benefit of others. It's God's saving grace that brings you into his story and he gives us a job to do, to go and proclaim his name where he currently is not known. To join him in his mission, is it worth it? Right now, in your minds, to say, yeah, absolutely, I'm a follower of Jesus. His story is my story. He has allowed me to be a part of it. What should I do? Man, the first place that you begin is to begin to cultivate an attitude, hey, this is not about me. This is about you. What do you want for my life? Man, at that moment in high school where I paved my own road and I said, this is what I'm going to do, I made it about me. Man, don't make your life about you. Make it about him because it's for the benefit of others that they may hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. But is it worth it? Is it worth it? Was it worth it for my family to sacrifice all things to move to Papua New Guinea, to learn that language, to move even deeper into the jungles of Papua New Guinea, build our house, learn their language, create a literacy program for them to read and write so that we could translate the scriptures so that they could hear it for the first time? Was it worth it? You guys, it was so incredibly difficult. It would take days to talk about just all the difficulties and the details of suffering that we experienced. Was it worth it? Man, right now, you may be thinking, I'm going to go back home. I'm going to get off this mountain. I'm going to go back to my school, and I'm going to have to probably tell my friends something happened to me on that mountain, and my life is different. Will that be worth it? That's exactly what I had to do. You guys, following Jesus, even to the ends of the earth, is absolutely worth it. Absolutely worth it. Because in the end, 
we will finally see for the very first time the scattered peoples of the earth, all tribes, nations, peoples, languages surrounding the throne of God. We'll see it. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, we will see that. We will see what John saw in Revelation chapter 7. And for the first time, I believe, in our hearts, in our minds, and more than likely with our mouth, with tears streaming down our face, we will say, our labor for the Lord was not in vain. And we will unanimously say, we should have did more. Because how great and glorious will our God be at that moment where he strips away the sorrows, sin, Satan, and death. does away with all those things, wipes away all the tears from our eyes. We will never regret, regret following him to the ends of the earth to bring the gospel to a people who haven't heard yet. It will be absolutely worth it. There are people who will stand before the throne and they will be thankful that they made it. But I believe along with Paul, there will be people who stand before the throne grateful, not because they just made it to heaven, but because finally seeing that picture come to fruition, finally seeing every nation, tribe, and language around the throne, they'll be thankful they got to be a part of it. Don't waste your life. His story, join it and go to the uttermost parts of the earth. There is joy in service to the Lord and he will be so incredibly sufficient to take care of every single need you have, both coming off this mountain, going back to school, coming back again, going back to school, coming back again, and making that decision, graduating high school, man, what do you want with my life? Because the life that he has given you in Christ, it's not about you, it's about him. Can I pray for you guys? And then we'll be dismissed. Father, we are um, grateful. We are grateful that your plan, your great and good plan, sent your son to die in our place, to live the life that we couldn't, to die the death that we deserved. And he rose again on that amazing day to give us eternal life, something that we could have never earned on our own. Father, you are a great and glorious God and you will be made known where you're currently not. Your name will be worshiped among all nations, all peoples, all tribes, all languages. Thank you so much for saving us, saving us so that we can be useful, not a benefit to our own selves, but a benefit to those who have not yet heard, but will. You have promised that your mission will end. Allow us to think of ourselves as tools in your hands. Father, use us in a way that not only brings you glory, but bring us to the point of going to those peoples who have never heard your name, but they will because we were obedient enough to go. Change our minds and our hearts to think about you more clearly, that we would see ourselves in your story, that it's your mission, 
and you have allowed us to be a part of it. We're grateful for what you have done for us and we are grateful for what you're doing among the nations. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Uh, I do not have enough prayer cards for everybody. I know, a total bummer. It was like spontaneous that we come, came up here. We don't have enough. But if your leaders, leaders here, would like to grab one of our prayer cards, you can. They're in the front. I'm, students, I'm so sorry. Maybe some other time you can grab a prayer card. Uh, if you guys have any questions about just more details concerning Malayali or whatnot, during free time, I'm going to be at the coffee shop, the human beings, human beans. You guys can come, talk to me there. Love to catch up and tell you more about Malayali and how good God has been to them. Thanks, guys, so much. Appreciate it. See you guys later.